Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 32, with Liz Carmichael. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. All right, let's get started. I'm really happy to have Liz Carmichael on the line with me today. Now, I do want to mention, just for for complete honesty, that is a pen name that Liz is using for security reasons, Um, and I want to be able to do that so that we don't do anything to hamper her ability to travel where God has her, but at the same time, I want to be completely honest with you. So Liz Carmichael's on the line with with me today. (laughs) She lives just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, but as I've been looking at what she's done, it sometimes seems like she's been just about everywhere. In fact, it took us several months just to set up this interview because of all of her other ministry obligations and my my schedule as well. But I'm super jazzed that we've been able to do this. I don't mind waiting at all because I'm so happy about what she's going to bring to the table with us today. Okay, Liz, now I've given just a little introduction. Can you take a minute and tell us about yourself and your ministry? We'd like to get to know you personally. Okay, well, Brian, it's great to be here with you and with everyone else that's here listening. And um, yeah, so basically God called me into missions back when I was only a teenager. I felt like I used to, um, in chapel services at my Christian school, we always had missionaries that would come in and share their testimonies. And when I was really young, I just thought, wow, that would be awesome to get to, to, get to do that, to go smuggle Bibles in countries where people have never read God's <laughs> Word before. And so then when I was a teenager, I felt like God said, yep, that's what I want you to do. So I always had a heart for Eastern Europe because that was back in the day when um, there was a lot of communism and stuff going on there when I was a kid still. And by the time I grew up and was able to go, communism had fallen and everything, but I still had a heart to go there. And so God called me to go to Eastern Europe, and I went there when I was in my early 20s and got to uh, share the gospel there and do church plants and teach English and do some children's ministry. Just We saw God do all kinds of crazy things there, which I'll share a little bit more about in a minute. And then after that, I was able to come back home and get some more training in biblical studies so that I would not only be certified to teach English, but also have my degree in biblical studies where I could use that a little bit more to challenge people. So, and the Lord's since then called me back on the field a number of times. I think now I've been to like 30 something countries and, um, and I'm looking forward to what God has next. So that's, that's a little bit about me. 
All right. Thanks for sharing that. Now that we know you a little, can you share with us a scripture that's been really meaningful to you and then share with us how that's really shaped your behavior? Okay. Well, um, I actually have two scriptures that I'm going to, I'll just read both of them and then they kind of go back to back. So one is Zephaniah 317 says, the Lord, your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. And the other is Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, so these both have really shaped me because I think the one stands out about God being in my midst and being mighty. It shows his mighty side that he is mighty to save me. And yet at the same time, he will quiet me when I'm frustrated and upset or scared with his love. And he will rejoice over me with singing. And the other one talks about God bringing hope to every situation, filling us with all joy and peace as we trust in his Holy Spirit. And so these are keys, have been key scriptures in my life for years now. When I first moved to Eastern Europe, I had this feeling that I was falling and that God was the one that was catching me, though. I just had this feeling that I was falling and I didn't know what was going to happen. And God just gave me this picture of him picking me up and catching me and that he was going to be there. And so I felt his his strength in the midst of the difficult times and his hope at the same time. When we were chatting before the, the call, you mentioned that uh, your challenge and the aha moment and your current uh, the thing that you're currently excited might kind of run together as far as a story. So what I'd like to do, if I can, is just kind of open the floor and, and just kind of throw this out there and say, can you, can you share with us a challenge that you've been seeing and then share with us the whole breadth of that? Would that be okay? Yes, that would be great. That'd be perfect because it actually goes along with what I just talked about. Um, also, I'm gonna, I want to share from my time living in Eastern Europe and about some of the things God did when I was there. So when I was first there during my first time, it was very difficult because I didn't understand the language or the culture. And so my first year was spent mostly learning the language and wrapped up in learning the language was learning the culture. The more I understood the language, the better I understood the culture. And in in Eastern Europe, there is a lot of, um, we see a lot of things going on there that we maybe don't see here in the, in the States or in the Western world. They have a lot of witch doctors and things where I was at. And so we had, there were witch doctors that were actually putting curses on our team. They, we didn't know that they were putting curses on our team and different people, some things started happening on our team. Different people got sick and, um, I started having anxiety attacks, panic attacks, just out of the blue, but they were very demonic. I knew it was not, it was not me. It was very uh, demonic. And so we found out, obviously we started praying and asking God, you know, what is going on? And he spoke to us very clearly that, you know, it was a spiritual battle. So we started praying against that. And later we found that these curses were put on us. And of course, God's power is great. And the devil is like nothing. And during that time, the Lord, he gave me a vision, actually, of this picture of me in the middle being surrounded by all these angels. And there was just a place where the angels parted just a little bit. And this nasty little yappy dog came in and tried to nip at my heels 
but he couldn't do anything. He was just barking really loudly and he couldn't do anything. And I felt like God was saying, this is how the enemy is. This is how the devil is. He's just like this little yappy dog. He's really loud, but he can't do anything to harm you. And so in that moment, I felt God's protection and I felt his hand like breaking the power of the enemy over um, over me and over our team. And we had many people back home praying for us and just praying for God's protection and provision around us. So I feel like that's a very important thing to always have people praying. And in the midst of that, I had my biggest aha moment probably of my life. And it was in the midst of going through these anxiety attacks, panic attacks. All of a sudden, one, one day, because it lasted almost a week, and all of a sudden, one day, I just realized, you know, how big God truly is. And there was a song at the time, and it's called, My God is So Big. It says, My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I realized, wow, that's true. God is so big, and it's such a small thing, and yet huge. And it's, it's changed my life to realize that it's not a tug of war between God and the enemy. God is just huge. And so that goes into my... Um, on into my current ministry now because I have been back living back in the States and doing short-term trips back and forth to other countries. And um, coming this January, I will be moving back to Eastern Europe to the country that I was living in before. And I'm really excited about all God's going to be doing there. I'm going to be going back and working with an organization called Youth with a Mission. And I'm going to be helping with their discipleship training school, helping to train others to go out and share the gospel. So I'll be helping train them as I teach the Bible and um, be able to disciple them also to raise them up to go out and share the gospel. And then I will work alongside of them as we go out and get to evangelize others. And I'm really excited about this because at the same time, there's an open door for me to be teaching English over there part-time too. So I'm I'm going to get to, to follow both of my passions of teaching English and of teaching the Bible, um, just like that verse in 2 Timothy 2, 1-2 says, Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So that's what I feel like God's calling me to do, to train others so they can go out and teach others. That's great. You know, as you were sharing, uh, one of the insights that I want to that I want to share that I picked up from your story and also from the experience is that it's so easy for us to forget the power of prayer. Um, even as you were sharing, I know we talked a little bit before the call about the internet kind of having a hiccup. And as you started sharing some of this story about what God did, I'll be quite honest, there was actually a bit of a hiccup in the, in the audio, but I want to leave it there for the recording because at the moment that that started, I started to pray. I just put my computer on mute and I started to pray because I was like, the enemy doesn't want us to understand the power Mm -hmm. of prayer. Mm -hmm. And so I want to just throw this out there for everybody that prayer changes things. You know, it's important that the team there got some insight into what was going on, but it was also equally important that they had people around them, even if they weren't Mm -hmm. physically there, praying for them, praying with them Mm -hmm. uh, on their behalf. Um, that that's kind of the insight that I got is if there was just one thing that you'd bring for people to take away from this story, what would, what would that be? Yes. Well, that would be pretty much it. Pray the 
a prayer, um, the strong hand of God and how when we have others praying for us, it does change everything because there were people, like I said, back home praying for me during that time. And in fact, one of them, while they were praying for me, a guy from my church saw a picture, saw a vision, in fact, of angels standing outside my house. And he'd never been to my house before there in Eastern Europe, but my parents had. And when he explained the vision to them, they said, yes, that's definitely my house. And he saw these big, tall angels surrounding. And then that very night that they had told me he had had that vision, that very night, I woke up in the middle of the night where normally I, during that week, I was having this anxiety, waking up with this panic in the night. And that night I woke up and I saw these angels surrounding me Mm. and felt God's presence and God's peace. So I would say to all of us, no matter where you're at, whether you're in the Western world or over in Eastern Europe where I'm at, I would say, yes, don't underestimate the power of prayer and the power of not just you praying, but getting others that you care about and love to pray with you and to stand in faith with you. That's powerful. I I would like to move on. Uh, you You know from the questions and the information that I sent you that most of our audience isn't called to vocational ministry. We know that some people are called to vocational ministry, but not everybody. And our audience is primarily made of people who are called into the marketplace. They care deeply about missions, but they maybe don't feel called to missions. Maybe they care deeply about a missionary. But if they're starting to wonder if what they really do in the marketplace matters for the kingdom, what would, what would you share with them? Yes. Well, I would share with them, number one, just be sure they're in the center of God's will for their life, because that's the most important place to be. Wherever God has called them to do, whatever he's called them to do, you know, wherever and whatever is is important. And so I would just encourage them, if they already know that, then that's fine. Move forward from that, but ask themselves that question first to make sure they're where God wants them to do to be. And as long as they're where God wants them to be, he will definitely work through them and use them to advance his kingdom here on this this earth. In um, Philippians 2, 13 to 16, it says, God is always at work in us to make us willing um, and able to obey his purpose. And we should do everything without complaining and arguing so that we can be innocent and pure as God's perfect children who live in a world of corrupt and sinful people. So we can shine among them like stars lighting up the sky as we offer the message of life. And so I just encourage them to shine like stars in their workplace, wherever their workplace may be, so that they can hold out the message of God's life and God's light and truth to whoever they are with. That's good. Uh, In the same vein, I'm sure that there are people listening who are already supporting missionaries, maybe financially, perhaps in prayer. If they really wanted to level up their game, what's one thing that they could do to further encourage or support a missionary? Okay. Well, I think it's, yeah, it's great. If they're already supporting some, that's great. And if they want to, yeah, if they want to do a little bit more, maybe look at what they're doing. I'm sure they're praying for them, hopefully at least. And if they're not, if they're only praying, they can consider, first of all, supporting them financially. And if they're just supporting them financially, they need to consider praying also, because I know both happens. People that have a lot of money are willing to give, but they're not taking time to pray. And people that maybe don't have a lot of money are praying but not taking time to give. And I just want to encourage them how important both of those are. We already mentioned the power of prayer, so it's very important. And then, obviously, the finances are important. So if you personally don't have enough money to um, 
give, then I would encourage you to champion a missionary on the field, though, by helping raise their support. You could you could ask other people for them. Get your small group at church involved or some of your friends or family. Even find other businesses that want to partner with you and help give. And so you could possibly up the amount of money you're giving. But most of all, these missionaries need to be encouraged. And so I would suggest that you um, strongly that you stay in contact with them, that you email them, make sure it's a secure way of emailing them if they're in a closed nation, that you would email them, write them handwritten letters, and find out when their birthday is, send them cards, maybe a package for their birthday, and definitely find out what they would want for Christmas and send them a package because gifts from home are just, you can't, you can't replace that. They're amazing <laughs> when you're overseas. Now it's time for us to go ahead and transition to the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us with your amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? (laughs) All right. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? Hmm. It's funny. As I I was looking at over these questions before, the funny thing is what I was thinking about this already is what we've already discussed, the real importance of having many, many people praying for me. I knew the power of prayer, but I still didn't realize how important it was. And I think if I had it to do again, which I do since I'm moving back again in January, I will get as many people as possible to pray for me and not not only pray, just, you know, just say that they will, but like specific times to commit. Like I will pray for you, you know, once a month on this day or, you know, something like that. So the importance of prayer. (laughs) Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received? Okay. (laughs) It's so funny. This seems to be sort of a theme because Uh honest truth is um, the best advice I have ever received was from a spiritual mentor of mine. And she told me, she said, you need to pray at all times. And I know there's a scripture that says that, but we don't, you know, we think, well, how can we, you know, really pray at all times? But she told me you need to pray at all times and um, and in all places and do, you know, do the best you can stay in that attitude of worship and prayer. And I know, you know, we have our own work to do and we go about, you know, doing that. But I think it basically means staying in constant communion with God. And it really makes a difference in my life when I follow that advice. <laughs> okay. If you don't mind, I'd like to take a little bit of a, uh, a moment to add, or not add on to that, but add on a question to that. Okay. Is that okay? Sure. So I've heard this scripture all my life and I have some opinions about how this works, how, you know, that being in prayer at all times and in all situations. Can you make it practical for us? What does that look like for you? Well, for me, I'd say that looks like just, I think of it more as like communion with God. No matter what situation I'm in, I feel like my heart is sort of just open to hearing from Him. So especially when I'm out on the mission field and I'm doing things, but it could just be when I'm, you know, here at home everyday life, I'm going to the grocery store to pick up some groceries and just staying in tune with God because sometimes He tells me that I should be um, encouraging the person, the checkout person when I'm going through the grocery store line because maybe they're really down. I just, a simple thing of asking them how they're day is. And um, it opens the door up for me to be able to encourage them and share with them about who God is, even in just a brief moment and say, I'll be praying for them. So I think that it's more just an openness to God and just being ready and available to him at any moment of any day. Okay. mm -hmm. 
Can you share with us one of your personal habits that you strongly believe contributes to the success you've seen? Yes, it is keeping a gratefulness journal. It's, this has changed my life too. I've been doing this for the past while and I like to, um, yeah, keep a gratefulness journal. And sometimes I end up repeating myself because I've kept it over such a long period of time. I've forgotten what I've written already, but I try to think of five things a day that I am grateful for. And I, you know, during the time that I'm sitting down reading my Bible, praying, or maybe just sitting outside, I'll carry my gratefulness journal with me and I will just write down the things that come to me. And it can be about things that are happening right then, or it can be simple things of, you know, being grateful for the rainbow in the sky I see that day after the rain, or if it's spring and the beautiful flowers blooming, or the winter and the beautiful snow, or hearing children laughing outside, just simple things, or it can be big things. And it's really changed my life because it's helped me have an attitude of thankfulness. That's interesting. And I I like the way that you approach that. I do something similar where I try and keep track of three things that I'm thankful for every day, but I'm always trying to think of what things am I the most thankful for? And for me, it's always, almost always the same three. I'm thankful for God's mercy for my family and for coffee. And so (laughs) (laughs) I like, I like that you're not trying to focus on the biggest things. I think that's good. Do you have an internet resource that you use and could share with our listeners? Well, it's very simple. I'm um, sort of technologically challenged, so I don't probably do as much with apps and things as most people. But I really, I really actually like the BibleGateway.com one because it, I can line up all the different versions of the Bible and I can compare them. So it really helps me when I'm studying different um, scriptures in depth. I like looking them up and being able to read them in different versions because it just makes it come alive in different ways. Well, that's interesting. Somebody just a couple of weeks ago recommended that same resource. Okay. What's one book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Okay, well, um, I actually have two that are my top ones in the recent time, so I'll just give those quickly. One is, number one, is How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. And it is excellent because it it just really explains how you can read each book of the Bible in a different kind of way, because some are narrative, some are poetry, you know, and such things. So that really has helped me even in my personal studies and then also when I teach the Bible. And then the second one, just a very, very practical, is Praying God's Word by Beth Moore. And um, the kind of the subtitle is Breaking Free from Spiritual Strongholds. And she has so many scripture verses in here on different topics. And I love it because I just sometimes will just sit down and pray out the verses that she has there on a certain topic. So those are my favorites right now. (laughs) All right. That's great. And for those who are listening, all of these resources, the book and everything will be linked up in the show notes page. And that'll be at engagingmissions.com slash Liz Carmichael. And I'll go ahead and spell that for you. L-I-Z. C-A-R-M-I-C-H-A-L-E. That's where you'll find all of the links to all of this stuff. Now, Liz, we've had the the speed round. Now we want to go a little bit deeper. We've got a few minutes left. We'd just like to focus on your perspective and some ministry advice. This is our chance to learn from your experiences. So what would you tell somebody who's living in the U.S. or in North America, and they're looking around and they're starting to recognize that their neighbors and their co-workers didn't come from here, and in fact um, have maybe come from a place that a few years ago we might have considered missionary territory? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I would, first of all, I would say they are very privileged to have someone like that living next to them. I think that would be amazing um, for them to have that opportunity, especially if it's someone from a formerly like closed country, you know, or an unreached country um, living right next to them. So I would just tell them to do all they can to just be Jesus' hand and feet to their neighbors. Think of practical ways that they can they can get involved in getting to know them. Maybe like when they first meet them, or maybe they could introduce themselves to meet them, like take a plate of cookies or, you know, something over just to be able to make themselves available and even open the door to meet them so they can start a friendship um, from that. Then they can also begin getting to know them better over time by just hanging out with them. If they're their very next door neighbors, you know, in a lot of these other cultures, they do a lot of things outside. And so if you're if they're right next door or across the street or close by, you could just be in your yard a lot where you kind of get to know them if you live somewhere where it's warm enough outside. Or you could even just, you know, if you go for walks and stuff, you'll see them out there. Something very casual to get to know them and then um, invite them over for dinner some basic things, just invite them to hang out, you know, have do something in the yard with them just to begin developing a friendship because most people are just wanting to feel at home, you know, in a country that's not their home. And so to get that connection and also um, you can begin um, discipling them and ministering God's love to them by that, uh, through that, through the open door of your friendship. That's always the best way, uh, in my opinion, to reach people's through like friendship evangelism. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Now the next, the the last real question that we have from, from what I sent you, uh, is something that I think you're going to be stepping back into in one sense or another in just a few months. But imagine that you woke up tomorrow morning. It's your first day of ministry in a brand new country and you don't really know anybody yet. You still have your experience and your knowledge and and all of that stuff, and your food and shelter are covered. But all you have that we might consider resources are a laptop and $500 U.S. What do you do for the next seven days? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. But I think I would first, um, when I first woke up and realized where I was at and everything, I would begin to meet with my neighbors immediately and the people around me. I think I would want to introduce myself to them and um, begin to start to understand how they live. Now, of course, I probably wouldn't speak their language if it's, you know, a different country and everything. So that would be something I would want to do immediately, begin learning the very basic of even how to say, hi, my name is, you know, what is your name? And things like that immediately, because that starts to help you feel like you're at home in a place that's not your home. And it also helps the people realize that you're you're there to learn their culture, you're there to learn their language. You're not just gonna come and just try to do something in their country, but not really become a part. I I know when you know from my experience in living in other countries, there are sometimes government workers and things like that that come that don't even try to learn their language or culture, and the people you know can tell, and they are much more impressed when you learn their language. So I would start by doing that. Then I think I would contact my home church. And begin to get some a support system set up for prayer, since we've talked about prayer so much, and also for raising more financial support if I only had $500 for the whole time I was going to stay there. And um, then I think I, I because I teach English and, and, and the Bible and stuff, I think I would begin looking around and seeing what are the opportunities for getting into their culture, you know, for a job and stuff. So I would look and see if there's a place that I could teach English, and if not, see if I could set up classes um, where I could begin training the people 
in the language. So, and then probably just overall assess the situation and begin seeing what the cost of living is like and how much I would need to have per month to keep living. Although it seems that my food and shelter are covered, so I may not need so much. So, so that's it. That's what I would do. Okay. So it seems like (laughs) it would be first start to assimilate and be where you are and Mm -hmm. then start to build, build up that network and that support system and then look for opportunities to serve. And the way you serve is by teaching. Yes, that is correct. That's great. Now we're almost done, Liz. Can you share with us one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? And then we'll say goodbye. All right. Well, um, the last piece of advice, I think once again, I guess it's, I've sort of already said it, but wherever you're at, I think you should make sure you're where God's called you to do, whether you're a missionary in another country or whether you're just a regular you know, here, you know, I'm here too, whether you're what you're doing, make sure you're in God's will. And then wherever you're at, be all there. Don't wish that you were somewhere else. Just be where you're at and be focused in the present on the people that God has in your life. So that's my final advice. And then my contact info, um, how (laughs) I guess they can just write me. Can they write me on this? Sure. Yeah. I can put up a contact form if that'd be fine. Okay. Yes, that would be fine. That'd okay. be great. And just have it sent to your, the email that we used? Yes, that would okay. be perfect. Yes. Yeah. So for those who are listening, I will have a, a contact form up there uh, for Liz. And that will be again at engagingmissions.com slash Liz Carmichael. Thank you so much for being with us. We really do appreciate your time and your generosity. Yes. Thank you. It's been great being with you. <laughs> Take right. care. Blessings. Well, that's the end of our time with Liz Carmichael. It took us a while to get this interview set up, but I'm so glad we did. I know that I was really encouraged and even challenged to hear about the power of prayer. That encourages me to continue stepping up my prayer life, in in particular as it relates to missionaries, but also for all of those around me. There are a number of people on the prayer list that my wife and I have, and it just encourages me to step that up a little bit. As I mentioned, the show notes will be available at engagingmissions.com slash Liz Carmichael or slash 32, as in the number 32. As I'm recording this, it's still October, and we're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas. This is a great time to start thinking about what you might do to encourage or support a missionary by sending a card or a gift or an email, just a reminder from home that somebody cares about them, that somebody's thinking about them. I know from the little bit of research that I've done that it can seem a little cost prohibitive to send packages, and in some cases, it may even be more challenging for a missionary to get a package that you've sent, assuming that everything makes it through customs, than uh, something else. So this is also maybe a time to be creative. I'm afraid I don't have any great answers for you, except that now is the time to start checking and seeing what the missionaries you care about might need or want, something that you can provide for them to let them know that you care about them, that you're thinking about them, and to give them that little bit of taste of home. As some of our former guests have reminded us, these kinds of things can be like a cup of cold water or a refreshing drink in a time when they might be down a little bit, in a time when they might be missing home. So start thinking about that now. Start checking into what your missionaries might care about. Start checking into mailing addresses and email addresses. Just think about that now. 
As I've mentioned before, you can always leave a comment on the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Liz Carmichael. Or if you would like to shoot me an email, send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your feedback, your comments, your suggestions, the things you do like, the things that you don't like. I want to make sure that what I'm doing really adds value to your life and is really meeting the needs that you have. And on that note, it also helps me if you leave a rating and review for the show. You can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. There's a quick video there that shows you everything you need to know to subscribe and to leave a rating and review in iTunes. That can be really meaningful to me as it helps me understand whether or not I'm meeting your needs. But it also helps other people understand why they might want to listen to the show. It helps us get the show in front of more people so that more people can connect with missionaries like Liz Carmichael or the other 31 guests that we've had. And as always, thank you so much for being here. It really means a lot to know that you took the time to listen to this, whether you've been subscribed from the very beginning or if you just stopped by because you're connected to Liz and this is the first episode you've ever heard. I'm so thankful that you're here. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.